The Gospel of Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white such as no one on earth could brighten them. And there appeared with them Elijah and Moses, who were talking to Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three tents or tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what else to say because they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. The words of Jesus according to Mark. Please be seated. So, the author, Mary Lynn Robinson, wrote in her novel, Gilead, wherever you turn your eyes, the world can shine like transfiguration. You don't have to bring anything to it, except a little willingness to see. Only who could have the courage to really see. In this gospel story, um, Peter and uh, I left out one of them, uh, James and John, saw this shining transfiguration, a transcendent experience of God's presence with them on the mountaintop. Yet the gospel says that Peter did not know what to say for they were terrified. Transcendent experiences of the divine can do that to you even as you turn your eyes to the world around you. Such an experience of the presence of the divine in our amazing existence in this divine creation, our planet, and its capacity to harbor such diverse lives and living is truly miraculous. In Robinson's word, words, the word can shine, taking only the courage to look at it as they in our Lent season, 
We are seeking to be in touch with God. As I put the words together for this homily, I find this being in touch to be somewhat inadequate. It may be what we desire each day, but transfiguration type experiences are not about being in touch with God as a separate it to experience. So I refer back to Martin Buber's writings in his book, I and Thou. I and it are objectified relationships. I and the altar. Uh, I could say that that's an object. But an I and thou is a whole different thing. And that's what we seek. The thou in this wonderful essay set of essays can apply to you. I can have an I-thou relationship with any person under the right circumstances <laughs> to this community, which right now I feel that you are my thou right now. I am immersed and present in and with you and your love binds all of us in this wonderful experience. Also, of course, to the divine, to God but not as an objectified, but as an embodied connection. It is the relationship that God, with God, that we can find in the service that we do in her name, in our quiet times of contemplation and in worship, I hope. This morning's poem that Janie read the second daughter looked straight into her mother's eyes, fierce and unrelenting, proud of her right and refusal to relinquish. And my mother's eyes, equal to hers, looked back in fierce companionship from far inside her going. This is an I-thou relationship. The rest of the world disappears, our consciousness disappears as we are immersed in this person, in this divine, in this community. So this I-thou relationship with God is not about being in contact, but it is about living with the reality of God with us and within us, each of us, as I said in the opening prayer. Present as our being in an immersive presence of God, as our source of the love that we express in ministry and relationships and in our I-thou times. If only it was that simple, though. But we can work towards it. It does take work. For Thich Nhat Hanh, such a practice is, in fact, what we mean by true mindfulness. That connection, that deeply spiritual connection to whatever, washing dishes, sitting on a mountaintop, 
The second reading by Debian from the book Think Indigenous does not use the same words we speak about their I-Thou relationship with the Great Spirit in their songs, drumming and dancing. If you've ever been to a powwow, it can be a powerful experience as they um, join with the Great Spirit and the great mystery of that being. They are on the blue path when that experience comes to them. It is not an I-it relationship. The indigenous mysteries, including the red path, a spiritual existence in the camp on the other side of life's threshold of passing. This is where the spirits of the departed are found. Our gospel reading today closes with the mystery. So they are to keep the matter Jesus told them to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. This same mystery has occupied Christianity for millennia. We share this mystery today as we ritually recite the words of this future resurrection. It is the great mystery. A woman I visited in hospice house told me her mystery story, but beginning with her story of her existing deep depression, saying that her life was a total failure. She had no value to anyone, she said, not even to my family. They're too busy. They hold down two jobs. They don't come to see me. They say I am a burden and not a value. It's pretty tragic. As she shared this mystery of relationship with me, she stopped, hesitated, and asked me if she could tell me about some strange visions, strange visions she had, visions she had experienced. Get my tongue straight here. And so I said, of course. She then went on to tell me that during several nights, she was awakened at night, walked out of her bedroom into the hallway, and at the far end of the hallway was the figure of her husband, smiling, smiling at her. I asked her, oh, she asked me, does this mean something? I asked how she felt herself each time inside. She said she was filled with very happy feelings of the love she and her husband shared. So I told her, he's there, he's waiting. His smile says his love and his value of her were there and he was waiting and it was okay. I said to her that she could hold that image in her heart and mind and the uplifting feelings of these experiences anytime she doubted her value. As I left the room, 
She was very much at peace holding that to her heart. I don't know if she was able to keep it with her, but for her, this was a transfiguration experience. Whatever beliefs we hold regarding this camp on the other side, our Lenten practices of being in touch with God can become a lived reality of the presence within and with us. Our source of love as an I-Thou relationship with God, with our fellows, our community, our world, and the cosmos. This practice, real practice, can bring us peace each and every day as we go about our tasks until we reach that threshold to the camp on the other side. May it be so for me and for you. Amen. Amen. I welcome your comments.